You're listening to Oh No Lit Class. Dead authors, fresh takes, and the epilogues you never knew you needed. The podcast that once fist fought Thomas Pynchon in the back of a 7-Eleven parking lot at two in the morning. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. Why don't you, why don't you take a, a look around, RJ? What do you see? Does it, does it look familiar to you? Well, you're a little black and blue because Pynchon won. That's harsh. Well, I should have been the one to fight, but you're all like, no, no, I got this. Hold my beer. He had it coming. I did get a Sorpy, though. That was nice. The reason things look familiar, RJ, is because we're back with our old friend, Big Willie Shakespeare. Who? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time, especially when you forget these as soon as you make them. Oh, that guy who's Anne Hathaway's husband. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I remember we did an episode about Anne Hathaway's husband. We did. About that play he wrote. Which play? Macbeth. I don't think you're supposed to say the name of that the, play. The Scottish play. That play. Mackie B. Well, we're back in Shakespeare country once again, and this time we are going to be talking about Hamlet, which is actually Shakespeare's longest play because we love to suffer. So Hamlet it is. So the last time that we were here was our first episode ever, and we didn't really know what the fuck we were doing you didn't neither did you i knew Uh uh-huh we didn't uh get into a whole lot of shakespeare the dude we're doing things a little bit differently because megan's decided we're gonna have a very special episode all about shakespeare and the theories of they're not being a shakespeare or shakespeare not being the writer of the plays that have been ascribed to him or Shakespeare actually being like three children standing on each other's shoulders in a trench coat. There are a lot of theories out there. But yeah, so that kind of deserves its own big, fun episode. We, we even watched a, a very bad movie to get ready to talk about it. So that's coming. Mostly this episode is going to just focus on Hamlet the play and look out soon for Shakespeare the dude. Coming soon. To a podcast near you. So we'll talk about Shakespeare, the man, the husband. The sex machine. Another day. But since we're talking about Hamlet, we'll talk about merry old England at the end of the 16th century when we believe Hamlet was first performed in England. Maybe. Possibly. Probably. So, Dateline, England, late 1600s. Oi! (laughs) That's probably what it sounded like. (laughs) That's absolutely what it sounded like. So, boy for sale. If you don't know much about history, one thing you might know about... Plague, I got plague. Good. So you might not know a lot about history, or really anything about history. I know absolutely nothing about history. But one thing you might have heard of that was kind of important is when England defeated the Spanish Armada. Uh, The Spanish Armadillo. There was a movie about this, and Clive Owen was the guy who defeated the Spanish. Okay. Saw that. Anyway, the Spanish Armada was defeated by England in 1588, which you would think, hey, things are going kind of okay, but that's wrong. Oh. Queen Elizabeth, uh, at the time, was feeling okay-ish that they defeated the Spanish Armada. She... (laughs) As you said, (laughs) but that, no, it wasn't all right. (laughs) Well, she was feeling all right. Okay. She thought she did good. Okay. She, um, she went out there and she stabbed the boats herself. <laughs> unbeknownst to her, she had 15 years left in her reign, but those 15 years were really going to suck. England and Spain would continue to fight, and there was actually conflicts between England and Ireland at the time. Taxes were too high. People were poor. They didn't have jobs. The harvest were pretty crappy. Things just weren't good. And you got the queen over here like, yeah, but hey, we sunk those ships. Isn't that awesome? And people are like, we don't care. Mission accomplished. (laughs) 
Yeah, things weren't going so hot with the people. And beyond that, the people who made up the Queen's Court, they're all kind of shitty people, which we'll kind of talk about actually when we talk about the whole Shakespeare conspiracy theory thing, because this is actually shown in the movie. That that bad, bad movie we watched. And so the people in the government were working against each other. Everyone had like their own spies that were checking out what everyone else was thinking and doing. There was propaganda all over the place. There was a criticism against basically anyone who had fingers to point at other people. Um, And the public's affection for the queen fell because of that. In particular, the big rivalry was between Robert Cecil and the Earl of Essex, who were like the two most powerful people in the queen's court. Some people took Cecil's side. Some people took Essex's side. And basically both sides blamed each other for trying to kill the queen, overtake the queen, and try to take the throne away from the queen. Um, And the queen didn't know what was up. Things got so bad that the queen's personal doctor was accused by both sides of being a spy for the other side. And so the doctor was tried for treason. And even though the queen didn't believe the doctor was treasonous, she wasn't powerful enough at that point because she was so disliked to do anything. And so they killed the doctor. Poor doctor. And it turns out he had nothing to do with anything, but he was just collateral to all this infighting and propaganda and spying. Just going to kill a doctor. So that was 16th century England for you, right? Towards the end. Well, some of that's definitely going to be informed in Hamlet, especially the the spying. So we're going to talk about that. So about the play itself, I want to focus on that. Okay. So Hamlet, as we know it, was derived from one or really a collection of legends. There are a number of stories across a number of cultures that have bits and pieces of Hamlet built into them. One is the legend of Amleth. Um, <laughs> Amleth. Amleth. There was also an Elizabethan-era play known as Ur-Hamlet. Ur-Hamlet? Uh, Ur-Hamlet. You know what? It, Shakespeare's credit, because like, this this is a thing that he does. This this is pretty much across the board. All Okay, I can't say all because I don't know if that's super accurate, but the majority of his plays are cobbled together from other earlier works and just sort of smushed into a new thing. But you know what? Hamlet... Rolls a lot easier off the tongue than that other shit. Well, we're going to talk about uh, Ur-Hamlet second. But the thing is about Ur-Hamlet, it actually might have actually been written by Shakespeare. Some people think it was written by Shakespeare. Some people think it was written by a guy with the name Thomas Kidd. Or by maybe someone else altogether. We don't know actually who wrote it. But there was an Ur-Hamlet that was sometime before Hamlet. First draft. Um, So first we're going to look at Amleth. So this story dates back all the way to the 13th century and to shit. Yeah, and to some dude named Saxo Grammaticus. <laughs> Holy shit, that's amazing. That sounds like if you were playing like a terrible like early 90s computer game that was supposed to like teach you vocabulary. Oh, look, it's it's your guide Saxo Grammaticus. He's here to lead you on your literary adventure. So, uh, Saxo, he was a Danish historian that kind of resembles Santa Claus. Go ahead. <laughs> Look him up. Well, wait. Saxo Claus. <laughs> what did you bring us, Saxo Claus? Grammar! Anyway, Saxo wrote history books, and in one of the books, he recounts the tale of Amleth, which he says was an old Norse tale that dates back to the 10th century and deals with figures with names like Garutha, Gravendel. Horvidil, Fang, and Amleth. Yeah, that's that's Norse for you. In Amleth, Gurutha is the daughter of the king, a king of Denmark. Right? Let me see this. Let me see what you're Garutha. Garutha. Yeah, that looks like Garutha. Right? Yeah, so in Amleth, Garutha is the daughter of the king, a king of Denmark, Rorik Swinebond. She marries Horndeville and gives birth to Amleth, who actually sees his uncle Fang kill his dad, Horndeville. His uncle's name is Fang. Fang also tells Garutha, the now-widowed queen, that he killed her husband slash Amleth's dad because the guy actually hated her. And Fang was rescuing her from a shitty marriage because he loves her for reals and is way better for her than the husband was. That's his reasoning. Huh. So in Amleth, there is no ambiguity whatsoever. (laughs) There are witnesses, and the guy admits it from the beginning. (laughs) 
So Amleth is afraid of being killed next because he's the heir to the throne. So he purposely acts like an imbecile so that he's not killed also. Fang thinks Amleth is faking being an imbecile, but he sends Amleth away anyway to go marry a princess in Britain. Eventually, Amleth comes back, kills Fang with his own sword, and goes back to Britain to live with the princess there. Little does Amleth know, though, that Fang told the king of Britain that Amleth was likely to kill Fang. And if that happened, the king of Britain promised to kill Amleth as revenge. But as it turns out, after Amleth killed Fang and went back to Britain, the British king kind of liked Amleth and didn't want to do it himself. So instead, what he did was he sent Amleth to woo the Queen of Scotland because she was known to kill everyone who wooed her. But wouldn't you know, she falls in love with Amleth and doesn't kill him. Instead, she marries him. And in the end, Amleth is like totally popular. He has two wives. He eventually dies a war hero. In short, Amleth is a boss. And it's a totally awesome Norse tale. Yeah, no, this sounds dope as hell. And basically what Hamlet would be like if, well, if Hamlet, the dude, didn't suck, which we'll get to. And if everyone in Hamlet also wasn't a goddamn idiot, which we'll get to. Instead, he, like, he fucking stabs his uncle, his uncle Fang, and gets two wives, becomes king of Scotland. I mean, like, so you can, you can hear the Hamlet beats that are there, and if you're not familiar with Hamlet, once we kind of go through the summer, you'll be like, this sounds familiar. All right, so now as for Ur-Hamlet. Um, <laughs> well, it's not gonna, it, you can't tell me it's gonna be as good as Hamlet was, because that, that was awesome. I want to watch a movie about fucking Hamlet. Alright, so now as for Ur Amlet, here's what we know. It was written much closer to Shakespeare's time, somewhere in from the mid-16th century to the end of the 16th century. What we know of Ur Hamlet is due to the writings of Thomas Lodge. So how well did Thomas Lodge chronicle Ur Hamlet? Well, I'll tell you everything we know about it. It was a play that was performed in the mid-16th century. It was called Ur Hamlet. It had a character named Hamlet. It also had a character that was a ghost whose name we don't know that said the line, Hamlet, revenge. And that's it. Huh. Uh, Based on that. Must not have made much of an impression, or it was just a very short avant-garde play. Based on that, Ur Hamlet may have starred Hamlet and a ghost monster that knew two words, Hamlet and revenge. Okay, but like, be serious. You'd go see a play where it was just Hamlet being followed around by this guy who just keeps going, Hamlet, revenge! And he's just like, get the fuck away from me. So we really do not know what relation the play Ur Hamlet had to Shakespeare's Hamlet. Uh, most people do think they are separate plays written by different people. If for no other reason for the timing to line up for Ur Hamlet to also have been written by Shakespeare, it would mean that Shakespeare wrote Ur Hamlet before he was 20. So likely it was a play that somehow influenced Shakespeare when he wrote Hamlet, we guess. Or he was a teenager and he just wrote this really weird short play about a dude being followed around by a ghost. And they're like, what the hell is this, William? And he went, er, Hamlet? Like a true film school student. Indeed. Now, what we know of Hamlet and how it was performed is not from Shakespeare's pen because, of course, none of the works Shakespeare physically wrote still exist. Instead, what we have nowadays are what other people wrote about the plays that they saw. So either there were a number of different versions written and performed because there are at least three different versions that still exist or people were horrible historians at the time and three different people saw the same thing and wrote three completely different things down. I mean, that that still happens now when you read movie reviews. This is true. So there are three primary versions of Hamlet that we have today. The three different versions... All have different lines. They have different formats. Some include scenes that are completely missing from the others. Um, We refer to the three as the bad quarto from 1603, the good quarto from 1604, and the first folio edition from 1623. Generally, the first folio version is taught as it was the first one to be printed. And I mean, who would want to teach something called the bad quarto? So what is the bad quarto anyway? A Quentin Tarantino movie. 
Well, as I said, none of what Shakespeare physically wrote exists today, so we rely on what others wrote. Whenever you come across something called a bad quarto, it's not just with Hamlet, but any kind of play you come across. It's because what it represents is literally a shitty version of the play. It may have been transcribed by someone in the crowd without permission to write it down, and so they were just kind of doing the best they can. Wait, wait, so is that like the shitty medieval version of like someone showing up to a movie theater with a handicam? The bad quarto is the 16th century bootleg. Nice! Or it may have been written down by a bit actor well after the fact who never learned the lines of like anyone else. And so he could have just been like some random small line. He's like, oh, you know what? Let me write down like everything else. But he never bothered to learn the lines anyone else did. So let's look at an example. Perhaps the most famous line from Hamlet, if not all of Shakespeare, is the to be or not to be speech. So I'm quoting from the first folio edition, which we'll be critiquing later on. To be or not to be. That is the question. Whether tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against the sea of troubles, and by opposing, end them to die, to sleep no more. Oh, there's more here. What are you doing? And by sleep, to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. As compared to the bad quarto version, to be... Or not to be. Aye, there's the point. To die. To sleep. Is that all? <laughs> is, is that all? That's how it ends. Is that all? <laughs> I guess the answer is yes. Um, yeah, that, that is the same speech in the oh back quarto version. I love it. Oh, God, that is. That is like someone got up there and just fucking forgot the whole soliloquy and just was like... That's that's the point. To, to die, sleep, is that all? So Bye. yeah, yeah. So yeah, the uh, bad quarto is not really taught, but I will say that it probably would make remembering the lines a lot easier for those middle school and high school students. Well, now if if it's all as good as that, I want to see a production of the bad quarto. I bet it would go a lot quicker. Just be a lot more faster paced people do that all right all right Neat. so hamlet as opposed to hamnet we're not talking about his biography you're the one who decided to have a whole separate episode <laughs> wow, okay we could still talk about the fact that he had a kid named hamnet he had a kid named hamnet who died like when he was 11 fuck him his name was hamnet yeah, he's dead he was dead before this shit ever came out netaham netaham indeed dead okay fine all right, well then, let's examine, unfortunately, not the bad quarto, which is just sounding more exciting by the minute, but the first folio of Hamlet. Even if you are not that familiar with Hamlet and you didn't have to read it in school or anything like that, uh, the general impression is that it's a big downer. It's very moody. There's a lot of whining. There's a lot of very dramatic monologues and things like that but honestly it's kind of a funny play in like a you know fucked up sort of way which we're all about here uh but yes it's also the longest play is it girthy too yep it's a it's a grower not a shower oh no it sounds like it's both to me (laughs) it's a shower and a grower (laughs) all right so the play as she is generally because i mean you look at ego and that's big and then it starts to grow you go holy shit it's getting bigger it's getting bigger Okay. That's something I am afflicted with myself. Don't lie to the people. The play, as she is performed. We open at Castle Eldesenor in Denmark, where two guards, uh, Bernardo and Francisco, are on nighttime watch duty on the castle battlements, and they're just all super skittish and calling out to each other in the dark because some thing has been appearing at night and freaking everybody out. Something that kind of looks like the recently deceased king of Denmark, Hamlet Sr. Yeah, that's right. It's another uh, dad and son with the same name. I didn't know John Osterman was Danish. What? Yeah, he's wandering around. That's not... He's assembling. That's Look not at him, okay. he's screaming by the gate. That's not even a clear, like... <laughs> It's not even that that's a reference that has nothing to do with anything. That was, like, such an oblique reference. I don't know if anybody's even going to know what the fuck you're talking about. I gave you such a good opening and you threw it away. But anyway, 
It's probably nothing, right? Wrong. As the shift changes, wrong. As the shift changes and Francisco pieces out, Bernardo is joined by Marcellus and Horatio. As the horrifying apparition appears, and I don't know, is is there, being all ghostly and such. I would imagine. They waved his arms, going, ooh. Holy ghost. Holy ghost. I don't know if anybody's going to get that joke either. And so everyone flips out, and they're just like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Before deciding that Horatio should be the one to talk to the ghost, because he went to college and majored in ghost busting, I guess. Except he is, he ain't not afraid of, no ghost. He ain't afraid of no ghost. Either way, Horatio approaches the ghost that looks exactly like the dead king of Denmark and is like, Hey, are you the dead king of Denmark? The ghost decides he doesn't have time for that bullshit and vanishes. Horatio tells the other two guys that, yeah, that sure looked like the dead king. He was even wearing the armor that he had on back when he stabbed the shit out of King Fortinbras of Norway because reasons and now they're about to go to war with norway because king fortinbras's son wants revenge hey rj yeah you want to uh guess the name of king fortinbras's son 40 jr pretty much yeah okay horatio also thinks that this spooky specter means that they're going to lose the war the ghost apparently has opinions about this because he reappears they all freak out again and they try to stab it because they're idiots and they chase each other around, and the play briefly becomes a Scooby-Doo episode until the sun rises and the ghost vanishes for good. Wow. That was a ghost vanishing noise. Not for good, he comes back. Well, for the... For the moment. That, the, the, for use the, your for words. The, for, for the scene. The scene ends. The ghost is gone. We enter the story proper at the inaugurational thing of King Claudius, the new king of Denmark, and also Hamlet's uncle. See, he married Hamlet's mom, Gertrude, who uh, was his sister-in-law, which Shakespeare decides to count as incest for some reason, which is weird, because by all standards, everyone was still, like, marrying their own cousins and shit, so odd choice. But yeah, after mourning Hamlet Sr. for an appropriate amount of time, slowly growing closer as they provided each other with emotional support in the wake of their husband-slash-brother's death, they eventually fell in love, and after discussing it with Hamlet Jr., decided to get married. No, that's not what happened. Actually, Hamlet Sr. was dead for barely a month before they decided to jump each other's bones, and little Hamlet found out by way of a message sent to him at school that was basically, hey, come home, because your dad is dead, and also I married your uncle. Cheers, mom. So he's in a pretty shitty mood. Better than adding a stranger to the picture. I guess, the, the, the evil you know. <laughs> he, I mean, he already sees uncle at, you know, Christmas dinner, knows his name, knows what he looks like, knows what he's about. Fair. The one month, though, that's, that's, that's a little rough. Well, there was a crisis. Someone needed to be king. Was it going to be shit brains over there in school who can't fucking figure out how to take his finger out his ass? That's sort of harsh. What are you basing that on? Hamlet. The whole guy in plays is he can't make a fucking decision. Fair. That's why it's so long. And then when he does make a decision... It's, it's the wrong one. Yeah. But we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So he is in full-on emo teen mode where, like, not only is he wearing all black, but also when his mom, like, tells him to cut it out and go change into something more cheerful, he says that no dark clothes could convey the anguish he feels on the inside. So basically... My clothes are black because that's how I feel in my soul, Mom. And really, I'm just like barely paraphrasing. The original goth. (laughs) Yeah, really. And so here's the thing. Hamlet's age is kind of difficult to pin down. Like we talked about before with Frankenstein, where even though Victor was like a shitty little teenager, he was portrayed in movies as a grown adult man. And so that's the perception that people have. And that's the same thing with Hamlet. In the movies and things, he's usually... A big old grown man. Uh, But he acts like a shitty, whiny teenager a lot. And we know he was at school, and we see him interact with his school buddies, and they kind of act like doofy 19 or 20-year-old guys. But there's a conversation we'll get to later that seems to sort of pin him at the age of 30. 
However, academics who get paid to argue about this shit still argue about it. So you can either imagine Hammy as a dipshit emo teen, or a 30-year-old man who acts like a dipshit emo teen, which really might be more entertaining anyway. I see him every year at Warp Tour. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. Okay, back to the world's most awkward newlywed shindig. We meet Lord Polonius, who is a Class A dingbat, and the source of many of the most famous Shakespeare quotes, which people never realize are taken out of context, because when Polonius says them, it's ironic, because he's dumb. He's there with his son Laertes, who wants to go to France, and do stuff, and things, and really it only matters because you need to be able to meet Laertes, and then Shakespeare needs to get him out of the plot for a while. The party ends with Gertrude insisting that Hamlet take time off from school to chill at home and bond with his new stepdad. He is less than enthused and has one of his many, many, many soliloquies. If you're not familiar with the term, a soliloquy is a long speech that's sort of an aside to the audience. As in, like, the other characters in the play, even if they're standing right there next to them, can't hear it. So it's kind of like you're getting to hear the character's inner thoughts... Except they're yelling them at you. When I was taught Hamlet in high school, the teacher, trying to explain the idea of soliloquies to us, for some reason explained it by saying, the way to think of a soliloquy is the actor relieving himself on stage. What the fuck? (laughs) That the way to think about it is there's all this angst and stuff built up and they need to just get it out. And so, like... When you go to the bathroom, you don't want anyone to see you when you soliloquize. It's you and the audience, and no one else on stage is able to see it or hear it. And they're relieving the anguish that's built up in them. Uh, Gives a new meaning to verbal diarrhea. They just let it out. Gross. But clearly this explanation worked because you remember it some, well, a lot of years later. Well, an image of an actor just pissing on stage, yeah, it sticks with you when that's the explanation to what a rather simple term is. Hey, they they did their job. They taught you a thing. They learned you a word. Yeah. Yep. So, Hammers does this a lot. For the sake of time, here's the gist of basically all of them. This fucking sucks. My life sucks. I wish there was something I could do about it. Man, I should do something about it. Yeah, I will. But then again, what's the point? What's the point of anything? My life is the hardest life, and to reiterate, everything sucks forever, and I want to die. Luckily, uh, Horatio shows up with Beavis and Butthead, the guards from earlier, and Hamlet's actually... I don't think that's their names. What were their names, RJ? I have no idea. Yeah, that's what I thought. So you know what? As far as you're concerned, they're Beavis and Butthead unless you tell me, unless you got something better. Unless you can tell me the right names. Otto. Yep. And Schmidt. You did it. Otto and Schmidt. So Horatio shows up with Otto and Schmidt, the guards from earlier, and Hamlet's happy because Horatio is his buddy. And he's like, hey. And Horatio's like, hey, I came to visit you because, you know, your dad's funeral. And Hamlet's like, you mean my mom's wedding? But Horatio doesn't have time to appreciate Hamlet's zingers because he needs to tell him about seeing Ham Sr.'s ghost and how freaky it was. But, unlike Horatio, Ham Jr. ain't afraid of no ghost and heads to the castle battlements that night. I ain't afraid of no ghost. You sound, like, you sound like a fucking police siren. Woo wee wee. Yep, that that classic Ghostbusters theme. But why have awesome ghost adventures when you can listen to a brother and sister bicker about who the sisters should and shouldn't be fucking? The brother and sister are Laertes and Ophelia, and according to Laertes, she should be fucking no one, but especially not Hamlet. Ophelia don't give a shit. Polonius shows up to give Laertes a big, long-winded speech of contradicting advice before he leaves for France, which is stuff like, be friendly, but not too friendly. Don't start any fights, but also be a guy who can finish a fight. Judge people, but don't be judgmental. Be fancy, but not, like, too fancy. And, of course, above all, just be yourself. Yeah, that's right, that's where 
this above all, to thine own self be true, is from. It's delivered, ironically, by a fucking windbag. So think about that. When someone posts a picture of it on their Facebook page with, like, the fucking Aurora Borealis in the background. And he turns to Ophelia, and he's like, also, your brother's right. Hamlet just wants you for sex. Break up with him. Now. And she does. But anyway, back to the good shit. The ghost of Hamlet the First appears in front of Hamlet to the sequel and wants him to follow him, and everyone is very nervous because A, ghost, and B, it only just now occurs to them that this might be some kind of evil demon thing making itself look like Ham Dad, and Horatio voices this to Ham's son, who's like, eh, and goes off with Ghost Dad anyway, who gives him these facts. Yes, I'm the ghost of your dad. Duh. Also, Claudius killed me by pouring poison down my ear while I was asleep, because he's a punk bitch, and now you have to avenge me, and no pressure, but every second you're not avenging me, I am burning in torturous hellfire. So maybe get on that. Also, I know you're mad at your mom, but she doesn't know Claudius killed me, and also she just really needs a man, I guess, so get off her case. And Ham Jam's just like, okay... He relays this info to Horatio and the gang and makes them swear to secrecy and then the ghost's disembodied voice is like, Yeah, and you better mean it, you little shits. I kind of wish we could hang out with the ghost more. I'm into it. Cool dude. Fast forward several weeks and Ophelia runs to her dad like, Something's super wrong with Hamlet. You know, more than usual. He's pale and his clothes are all fucked up and he burst into my room and grabbed my hand and just kind of stared at me and breathed heavily for like five minutes, and then just walked back out. And Polonius is... <laughs> yeah, you gotta... Yes, they, they, they're getting the experience. And so Polonius hears this and is like, Ah, he must be upset that he can't fuck you anymore. We should tell the king about this. Because... I, I don't know. I don't know why they feel like they need to tell the king this, but they do. Meanwhile, we see that Claudius and Gertrude have also noticed that something's off with young Hammer Time, and their solution, rather than, I don't know, having a frank and honest discussion with their son about how he probably feels kind of fucked up about this whole dead dad sudden marriage thing, is to recruit two dudes from Hamlet's school, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and have them spy on Hamlet and report back to them. It is worth noting that Arkrantz and Gstern are, put together, slightly dumber than a bag of wet sand. As soon as they're sent on their way, Polonius blunders in all, The source of Hamlet's madness is because he can't bone my daughter! And so they decide to sit Hamlet and Ophelia down, and of course they fucking don't. They decide to spy on their damn children some more. This is what I'm saying. Everybody just fucking spies on people instead of talking. Having a fucking conversation. Healthy. Yeah. Uh, they find Hamlet, and Polonius tries to sort of roundabout question him, and Hamlet just keeps giving him nonsense answers that are actually just thinly veiled insults Polonius is too stupid to get. Calls him a, he calls him a fishmonger, among other things. Because <laughs> his hand smelled a fish. Yeah. So did his pussy. Good job. A plus. Nailed it. Stellar. Polonius leaves super sure that Hamlet is lovesick for Ophelia because, Jesus Christ, he is so dumb. Enter your boys, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, who are like, hey, Hamlet, how you living? And he's like, uh, pretty bad. I'm sad all the time, and there's not a man nor woman who can delight me. And they're like, men delight you, gay. And then Shakespeare stops the plot so that they can talk about plays and theater troops and things, which is really just him making, like, thinly veiled pop culture references. He, he just, like, said, he talks shit about, like, other theater troops at the time where the audience would have been like, oh, we know them, we get these references. But yeah, hey, uh, a troop of actors are coming to the castle and that'll be fun, right? And Hamlet is super into it because, you know, of course, he'd be a theater kid. Once he's confirmed that these actors are sufficiently pretentious enough for him, he asks them to perform a play for everyone later called The Murder of Gonzago, colon, with extra special scene written by Hamlet Jr. of Denmark. Why the sudden interest in theater? Because Hammy still has doubts about his ghost dad not being a demon, trying to trick him, and even though he hates Claudius and wants to stab him in the taint, guilty or otherwise, this way he can see 
Claudius's reaction to the play, and if he flips out, well, then Hamlet will know for sure and not have any more excuses for not stabbing Claudius in the taint. Because it's been a couple weeks, and uh, I guess his dad's ghost is just burned away in that hellfire. In the meantime, Claudius asks Rosie and Gildy what they've learned spying on Hamlet. The answer is, of course, fuck all. Except that, gee, Ham sure is psyched about this play. In the even meaner meantime, Ophelia is sent to try to talk to Hamlet while their parents spy on them. Hamlet acts like a huge douchebag, basically calls her a whore, and is just putting on a whole show because he knows he's being watched, but, you know, also emotionally destroying Ophelia in the process. But, uh, no biggie. Afterwards, they still don't know what's wrong with Hamlet, but Claudius does know that he wants Hamlet gone. Preferably to England, where he could quietly die or something. Claudius slash Fang. Polonius, because he just can't let this shit go, is like, okay, but first let's make him talk to his mom while I hide behind a curtain and spy on them. Because this is my kink, I guess. Don't kink shame. Don't kink shame, Polonius. (laughs) I'm gonna, I'm gonna kink shame him. Meanwhile... Hamlet's busy micromanaging the actors and just talking shit to everyone else under the guise of like, ooh, I'm crazy Hamlet. I can look at you and say, you're a dickhead, because I'm crazy. But then the play starts, and it has that classic guy killing his brother who's also the king with ear poison scene that you get in all the good plays, like Into the Woods and Rent. That famous ear poison scene in Rent. Cats, Hamilton... Yeah, Stomp, that, that part, clomp, that, that... <laughs> clamp, there's War to the Dance. That part in Hamilton, you're doing this on purpose. <laughs> the Lion King, which is based on something, but I can't think of what. No, so- something. When the scene happens, Claudius runs out of the room, presumably from guilt and not because of, like, diarrhea or something. Hamlet is convinced now and ready to do some taint stabbing, but he's summoned to his mom's room so Polonius can hide and watch them talk and presumably jack off. But he stops on the way to do it, to finally stab Claudius in the taint, and he hears Claudius confessing his guilt out loud to no one in particular, and Claudius just is just like, oh, I, I did this thing and it's so bad and I'm so filled with sin, I'm gonna try to pray for forgiveness. And ham and cheese basically stops, like, mid-stab. Like, wait, if I kill him now, while he's praying, he'll go to heaven. And that's bullshit. So he doesn't do it. He goes to see his mom, and she's mad at him for upsetting Claudius with the play, and he's like, well, I'm upset with you for marrying Claudius, so fuck you, mom. And he kind of forgets that Ghost Ham told him to leave his mom alone and gets, like, really intense to the point where Gertrude's like, uh, help, 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 help. And from behind the curtain, Polonius starts yelling too, for some reason. Maybe he's climaxing, I don't know. And Hamlet flips out, as you might imagine, and stabs at the curtain and kills Polonius, which is kind of bad, but hey, you know what? He did a thing. Stabbed a dude. Look at that. Taking action. So Polonius dies, and Hamlet and his mom just sort of look at the body for a second, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. And then they go back to arguing. And then Ghost Ham appears and is like, quit fucking around, get your shit together and murder my brother. God! So Hamlet grabs Polonius's corpse and gets to work. And by work, I mean running around with a dead body, trying to find somewhere to hide it, while Rosencrantz and Gildenstern chase him around, and it's fucking Scooby-Doo time again. A lot of Scooby-Doo chases in the play Hamlet. Rayor, Ragged. Yeah. Huh? Oh, no, Hamlet. Scooby-Doo is my favorite Great Dane. Talking about Danes. Scooby-Doo uh, is probably uh, the it's... most popular Dane there is. <laughs> So Claudius manages to catch him and tells him that it's he's got to go on timeout in England and then in a, another soliloquy lets the audience know that he's sending Hamlet to England like when your parents send your old dog to go live on a farm and chase rabbits. With Hamlet gone, Ophelia takes over as the resident castle crazy person except she's not faking it. Like, her boyfriend turned into a crazy jackass and murdered her father, so, you know, there's a lot for her to be dealing with right now. 
Laertes returns, not particularly worried about his sister and her crazy, and swearing vengeance on whoever killed his dad, which is pretty convenient for Claudius because he just got a letter from Hamlet that says, Hi, not dead. I'm not dead, and I'm coming home. Get my bed ready. This summer, Hamlet's back, and he's pissed. Claudius and Laertes cook up a plan to challenge Ham Jam to a quote-unquote friendly fencing duel. And because Hamlet is apparently trusting of people's good natures, even though he pretty much has every reason not to be, Claudius thinks Laertes can sneak in a non-blunted blade and stab him for realsies. But Claudius apparently also has a must-use poison clause in all of his murder schemes, because he also dips the tip of Laertes' sword in poison, and if that's not enough, he'll poison his drink and offer it to Hamlet when he gets thirsty from sword fighting, because there's no way that's going to bite him in the ass. Just got, like, a huge fucking tub of poison from Costco. He's gotta use it all before it expires and goes bad. Does expired poison just mean that it's, like antidote then this poison's gone bad it doesn't poison anymore it means it's no longer effective that's what i was just saying it don't work poison doesn't work is not an antidote okay well, it's then... poison that doesn't work oh and uh by the way ophelia drowned off screen Borp. so that happened some grave diggers are well digging her grave and... wait, wait 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 grave digger yeah the monster truck I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You don't know Gravedigger? Gee, yeah, that's probably why I just said I don't know what you're talking about. That's like the like, monster co- co- truck. Context clues, champ. The monster truck? Like there's uh, there's lesser known monster trucks and better known, more famous monster trucks. <laughs> Gravedigger is the monster truck. Neat. <laughs> so I like to imagine the monster truck just cutting through the forest and it comes across... Ophelia. Yeah, this this monster truck's about to have a conversation with Hamlet. He's um, a transformer. They've been with us since, like, ever. Two out of the three uh, wise men that visited the manger were transformers. <laughs> we, bring, we bring the baby Jesus, frankincense, myrrh, and engine oil. So Hamlet uh, appears with Horatio, and uh, him and the gravediggers just make a bunch of wisecracks about death and stuff. They don't realize that he's Hamlet. And also, this is the bit where, uh, so Hamlet asked him, like, oh, how long you been digging graves? And he's like, oh, nigh on 30 years. Why, since the very day that little Ham was born. And that's where we get the whole Hamlet is 30 from. And then Hamlet sees the skull of York, the old court jester, and just sort of makes it all about him. Just, oh, it's... It's so sad. Alas, poor Yorick, you're dead and you can't give me a piggyback ride anymore. And then Hamlet hides as Ophelia's funeral begins. And uh, during the funeral, Laertes is so sad that he jumps into his sister's open grave. And Hamlet, drama queen that he is, is not to be outdone. And he leaps from the shadows yelling, it is I, Hamlet. And I miss Ophelia twice as hard as you do all of a sudden. And then he jumps into the grave. And the two boys scuffle over Ophelia's grave because even in death, this poor girl can't catch a fucking break. So after that bullshit, Hamlet tells Horatio that he found out that Claudius wanted to have him murdered, but swung it so that Arkrantz and G. Stern got executed instead. And Horatio's kind of like, um, weren't they our friends? But Hamlet is just so far past giving a shit. He goes to the duel, the, the duel that Laertes wants to have with him, the murder duel. Well, he doesn't know it's a murder duel. You know what I mean. He goes there and he actually does feel bad for literally killing Laertes' dad and essentially killing Laertes' sister by making her go crazy. And he says, you know, I'm sorry. That was fucked up. And Laertes is like, well, I mean, I appreciate the apology, but uh, we still got a fight. So they duel and Hamlet is actually winning. And Claudius is like, hey, uh, Ham, you thirsty? You want a drink? You want this drink? You want to try this drink right here? Huh? This delicious drink? It's such a good drink. You want to try this drink? And he doesn't take the drink, but Gertrude's like, ooh, that sounds good. I'll take some of that. And, mm, yeah, that happens. She drinks it. She's poisoned. And then, somehow, our boys, Hamlet and Laertes, get all mixed up fighting, and they swap swords somehow. And then they both get stabbed with the poison sword. And, like, I don't know how this happens exactly. Like, you want to walk me through that choreography there, William? One gets stabbed, they, they 
swap swords. The other gets stabbed. Like, how the fuck does that even happen? Sadly, William's dead. Oh, oh no. What, what was it? Was it recent? What happened? So we'll never get the answer. He gets sick? So now everyone's dying. And Laertes basically admits the whole plot. He's just like, this is Claudius' fault. He made me do it. And so Hamlet finally fucking stabs Claudius. He did it, everyone. He did the thing. It's done now. And then everyone dies. But before he does, he grabs Horatio and is like, Tell my story. And Horatio is left alone with a room full of dead bodies to explain. And at this point, who should arrive? Ernie Hudson. No. Bill Murray. You're just going to name Ghostbusters actors, aren't you? John Candy. That's not a Ghostbusters actor. (laughs) Yep, John Candy. He's back from the dead and he wants to know what happened to his good friend Hamlet. Rick Moranis. Nope. Gordon Bombay. I don't know who that is. The coach from Mighty Ducks. Ah. It's Fortinbras. Emilio Estevez. No, it's Fortinbras. That prince from the beginning of the play. We mentioned him. Forty Jr. That one time. Yep. It happened. He storms in, ready to take the Danish throne, and everyone's dead. Fortinbras is like, uh, wow. This is awkward, but I'm just gonna take this throne. And Horatio's like, yeah... Okay. And the play ends. The end. Now, this may not be much of a surprise. Hamlet, kind of a popular play. What? It seems to be the most popular of Shakespeare's works during his lifetime. And since then, it has been the most performed play out of the Royal Shakespeare Company. It has also inspired many writers... Just in general. Many writers. They're just inspired. <laughs> hey, many writers say they've been inspired by this play. <laughs> Four out of five writers say I've been inspired by Hamlet. Hamlet is referred to as the world's most filmed story after Cinderella. So there's that. Cinderella wins. Hamlet loses. How many times has Cinderella been filmed? Well... Like, Based on this quote, I'm guessing <laughs> at least one more time than Hamlet. I can think of way more Hamlet adaptation movies than I can. I can think of three Cinderellas, so I don't, I don't know. Cinderella okay. film adaptations? 24. 24 Cinderella movies. Some of those are kind of stretching what I would consider either a movie or a Cinderella movie. Well, according to sure. Hollywood Reporter, there's at least 14. So somewhere between 14 and 24 Cinderellas. All right. Uh, you, you put so, a, yeah, f- fuck you, Shakespeare. Hey, Mac. Yeah. What do you think about the changes between Amleth and Hamlet? Amleth is better in every conceivable way. So why do you think Shakespeare did that? I'm not 100% sure why, knowing now what I know. Shakespeare would uh, look at that story and be like, you know what this needs? A, just a protagonist who fucking sucks. Although, actually, what is interesting is... Hamlet is kind of, like, in the wrong play. If Hamlet was the protagonist of, like, Othello, it would fix every... Like, if Othello and Hamlet swap places, it would fix everything that's wrong with both plays. Because Othello, which obviously is another story for another day, suffice to say, Othello's problem is that he acts and murders without really taking the time to be like, wait, whoa, 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 let's, like, think about this shit. I think the con might be on. So if they swapped Hamlet... Would have figured out that, like, let's maybe not murder people and prevented the tragedy of Othello. And if Othello had been in Hamlet's shoes, Claudius would have been dead in, like, ten seconds. Problem solved. Disaster averted. Also, what's also. the name of these fucking characters? Not one of them has a Danish name. He could have stuck with what we had. Those names, as you discovered earlier, are hard to say. And annoying. So he was like, fuck it. Hamlet. That's the best I got. I don't know. There you go. I'm not fucking Shakespeare. Or am I? Find out in that other episode we're going to do. He was way cooler than you. He had an earring. Shakespeare and Morgan Freeman got the same earring. And Harrison Ford. An elite trio. Harrison Ford, Morgan Freeman, William Shakespeare. Two white guys and a black guy. Kind of like Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Ernie Hudson. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's no Cinderella. But uh, Hamlet certainly has the lion's share of film adaptations. 
Um, so because it is such a long fucking play, most adaptations cut, you know, at least some chunks out of it. But someone who has done the whole damn thing is Kenneth Branagh's version in 1996. It is four fucking hours long, and it stars Kenneth Branagh as Hamlet. If you do not know who the actor Kenneth Branagh is, he uh, was Gilderoy Lockhart in the second Harry Potter movie. He directed Marvel's Thor. He's also pretty much famous for his lifelong attempts to absorb Shakespeare's essence into his body. He has made films of, to date, apart from Hamlet, Twelfth Night, Henry V, Othello, Much Ado About Nothing, As You Like It, and Love's Labor's Lost, and yes, he starred in all of them. Fucking Kenneth Browning. I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong, also. Just throwing that out there. Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. You thought Ayn Rand's name was pronounced Ayn Rand, so I don't trust you. So there was a uh, modern AU Hamlet in uh, 2000 with Ethan Hawke as a film student who's the heir to the Denmark Corporation, and it's the most art student movie ever, and it's just fucking the worst. He gives the to-be-or-not-to-be speech in, like, this whispered monotone while wandering through a blockbuster, because 2000, and wearing, like, a stupid beanie. It's just like, to be or not to be, as a question. Is that all? Whether it's nobler in the mind to... It's just, it's, it's the fucking worst. Kyle McLaughlin is wasted as Claudius, just completely underused, and the only reason I would ever recommend this movie to anyone is because Bill Murray is Polonius and he's fucking great. That's it. That is the one saving grace of this pretentious thing. And then, of course, there was that one Disney movie. Little Mermaid? Yes, Little Mermaid. It tells the the story of Hamlet. Uh, Yeah, Lion King. Hamlet. But with lions. So, one interesting kind of, I guess, adaptation of a sort to kind of uh, come out of Hamlet is Tom Stoppard's 1966 play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. A.K.A., what are Hamlet's two stupid college friends up to while all this dramatic bullshit goes on, and do they actually know the meaning of life? Probably not. They, they literally can't even tell each other apart. A Kafkaesque... Eh? Yeah, yeah. You learned that word. You know that word now. Take on Hamlet that takes the questions about choice and fate and determinism and just dials it up to 11, but also with puns. There was a movie version that came out in 1991 with baby Gary Oldman and baby Tim Roth. Uh, Tom Stoppard actually directed that too because he's like, I don't fucking trust anybody else. I'm gonna do it. I love it, but that's because I'm a big nerd who loves like words and dumb word games and I'm willing to just watch two dudes wander around for a movie and make dumb word games while, like, Hamlet action goes on around them. I think it's entertaining and a good time. RJ? It's a bad movie. He hates it so much. <laughs> but you liked the play. The play was okay. Yeah, we saw we, when we saw it live, we liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Also worth mentioning is Ryan North's To Be or Not To Be, a graphic novel that was a choose-your-own-adventure version of Hamlet that came out in 2013, and it's hilarious it's so good you can play as different characters and fix all of their stupid decisions and in fact you can actually be hamlet's ghost dad and just take care of the whole vengeance thing yourself by possessing claudius and exploding him with your ghost body it's fucking rad i i highly suggest buying it and reading it because it's great so uh we chose hamlet specifically to talk about now because we actually were lucky enough to go see a currently uh, running production of Hamlet at the Public Theater in New York. Still, I, like, it just started. Like, we got to see one of the preview nights, which was really cool. I think it's running till like, September? No. When's it, when's it running towards? August. August. So, I mean, you can still get in on that. Maybe we're going to tell you about it. If you can't see it, we're going to paint you a word picture. Because um, it's it's pretty buck wild. It's a very, very tiny theater. Very small set. Very few actors. Now, we went and saw this show because we are sophisticated patrons of the arts. 
Right, RJ? Very. Yes. And definitely not because Oscar Isaac was in it. Who? I, it's, a, it's a guy. It's a real pretty guy. He's in He's in Star Wars. He's the pilot that, with the dreamy eyes who flies the X-Wings real good. Oh, the black British guy. No. The old the, dead the, white the, guy? Nope. Kind of pasty? Nope. Indiana Jones? No. Mark Hamill? You're running out of dudes. James Earl Jones? Not in Force Awakens. No, it's just Poe, it's Poe. Oh, the robot. God damn it. It's Oscar Isaac. Just just Google him. His face is made of handsomeness. And uh, also, Keegan-Michael Key was there too, from, from Key and Peele. And, like, you know how he just looks like a real tall dude? He's a real, real tall dude. He looks like the fucking Slenderman. He's like seven feet tall. I just want to throw that out there. The most important point that I feel is worth mentioning about this show that I feel just encapsulates everything about it and about Hamlet and about Shakespeare and art and theater is that Oscar Isaac is in his underwear for like 60% of it and oh my god, it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Didn't, didn't realize that was going to be a thing that happened. Just a lovely, pleasant surprise. I mean, he did a great, like, acting job as well. He was, he was very funny. He was very emotional. He was very full of, of pathos. Like, I mean, everybody did very good performances, and he was, like, fucking a thousand percent committed, even though it was, like, a preview night. But also, ass, that won't quit. You heard it here first. At one point... He angrily stabs and defiles a lasagna. Keegan-Michael Key screams a lot. And I mean that in, like, a very good way. It's, it's, it's funny screaming, because he's, like, also one of the, He's Horatio, and when he sees Hamlet's ghost... Or Hamlet's dad's ghost for the first time, and he just, like, freaks out and starts shrieking. It's great. Some other real good highlights is that he does his version of, like, the death scene in the, the murder of Gonzaga, which just involves, like, screaming, flailing, spinning, like, interpretive dance. Like, he just, like, hams it up, and it's so funny. At one point, Hamlet gets chased across the entire theater after killing Polonius and just drags him back and forth across the stage and then hides in a bathroom. After Polonius dies, the actor just has to lay there for almost the entire rest of the play as Hamlet drags his body around in a, in a panic and then Ophelia lays flowers on him and then she just goes fucking crazy and dumps two potted plants worth of dirt on him and then gets an actual working garden hose and turns it on and just leaves it on him and then lies down next to, like, on top of him and then they both spring back up wet and covered in dirt to play the gravediggers. It's a real good show. It's fucking nuts. They wasted an entire lasagna. They did. And presumably they're wasting a lasagna show. No, it was good. It was real good. If uh, if you have a way of getting there, get there. You'll, you'll still have some time, I guess, by the time this comes out. If not, I hope that I've painted you a beautiful word picture of Hamlet. In his underwear. Oh, I guess I didn't say why. He's he's in his... He's, there's a reason. He's not just in his underwear because that's how they... Sex decide. sells. <laughs> that's how he, he decides that he's going to make himself look like he's a, a crazy person. Is he just pops out of, like, stage left onto the center stage and, like, his socks and underwear and a toilet seat cover, like, the paper cover, like, around his neck. is is a crowd pleaser. And so, as ever... RJ? What's up? Hamlet. Yeah. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it beautiful? It's good. There's mystery. There's thought. There's questions that go unanswered. Deep questions. Is that all there is? (laughs) Fair enough. I think not. (laughs) Megan? Yeah, RJ? So, ham bone. Ham jam. Hammer time. Ham and cheese. Your thoughts, please. I mean, I think it's... Oh, okay, that's good. Stop it. I think it's good. Uh, I keep going back and listening to some of these, and I feel bad, because I feel like this is what we do every time. We're just like, yeah, this thing is good! <laughs> Except for Moby Dick, which I will unequivocally hate until I die. But, yeah, I think Hamlet's good. It's, you know, um, it's a lot of fun to watch being performed, 
you know, it's tough when you're in fucking high school and they're reading it in the Shakespeare language and you're just like, I don't know what the fuck this shit means. But when you, like, take the time and you break it down and you become sort of more familiar with that ye old English shit, you'll realize just how many jokes are in it and how many of those jokes are dirty jokes. The answer, most of them. And so when you, like, kind of, you know, put that little bit of effort in there, you are rewarded with a plethora of genitalia-based humor. Which, I mean, you know, it's worth it. Now, the real question is, is Hamlet as good as Amleth? Uh, no, I don't think so. Need to see a movie version of Amleth. Like, now. Pronto. And that'll about do it for us on this episode of Oh No Lit Class. Remember to rate and review us on iTunes and subscribe and give us love and affection and water us daily, but don't feed us after midnight. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and you can listen to us anywhere, but all of our stuff is always on onolitclass.com. The next episode will be up on August 3rd. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. We love you. Bye. I know we'll get to this earlier, but I really want to show this example now. We're going to get to this earlier. Excuse me. We're going to do some time travel. (laughs) We're going to get to this earlier.